Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. March has arrived, and we are only weeks away from the big tournament. Yes, that tournament. Make sure to head to Bet Online and open an account today to get in on their $100,000 Bracket Madness Challenge. That starts on March 15th. That's right. I said $100,000 and March 15th. You don't need to be hardcore to get in on the action. And with multiple entries available, it's the season's best chance to cash in. And remember, the NBA and the XFL are still going strong. So whatever your passion is, Bet Online is the place to be for all your betting needs. Visit our good friends and our exclusive partner, Bet online to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and make sure to use that promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, for your 50% sign up bonus. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Is there anything you don't gamble? Uh, not really. Gambling gods? Fickle butt. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. And with that, we welcome you into a Wednesday edition of Full Slate. It's our first March episode. That's right, Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast rolling through the biggest month in college basketball. And so that means plenty of picks on the Collegiate Hardware today with myself, Greg Frank, at Undercover Greg on Gambling Twitter, Bill Christie at Larry's Locks 2, and Matt Siegel at Showtime Cappers, where you can find all of his picks 
on Twitter. Guys, how are we doing? Greg, I'm doing fantastic on this Wednesday morning. I can't wait. I believe we have about 75 games across all sports today. You know, it's a, it's a wild time of the year, Greg. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, it, and, and you know what? I don't know about you guys, but February has long been my least favorite month because after the Super Bowl, if you're a sports fan, I mean, it gets thin pretty quickly. And now in March, like you said, Matt, we have a lot of things going on. Really, Greg? With college basketball, NBA, and NHL, I feel like there's something going yeah, on every NBA night. NBA and NHL have their all-star breaks. And, uh, yes, I mean, college basketball kind of takes center stage, but we're all just kind of waiting for the fun of March. I don't know. I, I never really liked it. I guess you could argue one of the summer months is worse, but – Oh, yeah, no, I mean, it's definitely a build-up to March, but, I mean, give me February over July and August. Any, any Fair, any, fair. Yeah. I guess, like, in the summer, I'm just in a better mood in general. No, I, I, I see. I agree. And plus, towards Don't the end of February, like you said. You're kind of sick of it, especially being here in Minnesota. Like you said, though, it, it kind of, towards February, it's kind of, at this point of the season, it's a countdown, and I think that just shows everyone's appreciation of March Madness, but it's really just a countdown to the big dance. Yeah, yeah Bill, March Madness, then you got, I'm good. I'm looking forward to March, too, obviously, now we're in it. You know, we got March Madness coming up, all the conference tourneys, the big dance. Then you have NHL playoffs coming up, baseball starting. So, And, again, like you mentioned, the weather, maybe outside of Minnesota, is starting to get a little nicer. So always all good things to look forward to. And I'm excited for tonight. Um, there's a great slate out there tonight. I've been looking at a lot of the games. I'm just a little bit nervous. You know, Greg and I uh, did a podcast um, on Saturday night, headed into Sunday or Friday night into Saturday, and our percentage of picks is pretty high without Matt. I'm getting a little nervous. He comes in here. He's got a he's got a lot of weight to carry into this one. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't see how my voice on this podcast would affect your plays. But if that's the excuse you want to roll with, you know, we can pair you up with Deontay Wilder along with uh, ridiculous excuses for losing. <laughs> yeah, how about that? That's crazy. Yeah, you guys giving him any chance in the in the trilogy? None. Hundred um, percent. I'm giving him a chance just because there is now that motivational factor of a loss. Um, I think he came into the second fight a little, a little cocky, um, uh, a little expected to win. I think he didn't really expect Fury to do what he was going to say he was going to do. And you know, let's be real. Uh, Wilder all of a sudden turned from undefeated to now his career is on the line with this second, uh, with this trilogy fight. So he's going to come prepared. All right. Wilder Fury over the summer, and that'll make things a little less boring. And what, what are they going to fight in August? Uh, I believe end of a summer, uh, early early fall. By the way, I just want to put a disclaimer. I'm not saying I think Wilder's going to win. I just think we're definitely going to see um, a different a different fight for sure. Sure. Well, let's get to our picks then. As, as I said, it's uh, Wednesday, March the 4th, as we record in the a.m., uh, Matt, you had a couple of picks on the professional hardwood before we dive deep into the college hardwood. Where are you taking us? Uh, yeah, so the first game I'm taking us to is uh, I'm going to Milwaukee. Uh, Milwaukee Bucks and the Pacers. I actually have a pri- – we can call this the, the primetime special two-pack because I have two NBA plays, and they are both on the national televised games on ESPN. 7 p.m. Eastern time, Milwaukee Bucks, Pacers. I'm playing the Milwaukee Bucks on the first quarter. Um, this line actually isn't out yet, 
but they're minus 11 for the game. I don't expect them to be anything more than minus four for the first quarter, hoping to get a minus three, a minus three and a half would play up to minus four. I don't expect anything higher than minus four with the line being only 11. Um, but I would ideally rather, obviously, the three or three and a half. I would, however, play the minus four. Just going to depend on how many units it is, depending on the actual number that I see out there. Frankly put, the Milwaukee Bucks are the best first quarter team in the NBA. To no one's surprise, as they're the best team in the NBA. They hold a plus 6.6 points margin after the first quarter at home. That is 2.3 points better than the next team in the NBA, the Miami Heat. So tremendous at-home advantage in the first quarter for the Milwaukee Bucks. And you flip the script to the Indiana Pacers, they're pretty bad on the road in the first quarter. Minus 2.3, that ranks in the bottom 10 with other teams in the NBA, teams that surround them in that rankings, Minnesota, Cleveland, New Orleans, Washington, Phoenix, New York Knicks, not teams you want to be accompanied with in a rankings uh, after the first quarter. So clearly the Pacers start slow on the road. The Bucks start blazing hot at home. I'm going to be playing the Milwaukee Bucks on the first quarter, minus three, minus three and a half, minus four, whatever it is. When the line comes out, then we'll decide how many units we're putting on it. Any opinions, guys? I like it. I'm, I'm just real quick. Sorry, Greg, jump in. I'm, I'm looking at um, Milwaukee, their last couple home games that you were mentioning. They come out and start strong. Last time they played the Pacers, too, in Indiana. Indiana actually had a 14-point lead at the end of the first quarter. But like you said, they're a different team when they're at home as opposed to on the road. So, if anything, looking back at that last game, Milwaukee saw how Indiana played in that first quarter. They're not going to come in and, and take them for granted in that first quarter. They're probably going to want to jump on top of them. Uh, get, a, get a nice lead in the first quarter, definitely the first half, and then just kind of keep them at, at hands bay the rest of the way. Yeah. Matt, I'm, just, I'm just curious, what is the uh, the Bucks record? The Bucks all time, or the 52 and 9 they are. Oh, so they actually tapered off. They're not going to beat the Warriors then. Yeah, they're, no, they're not, they're not going to beat the Warriors, no. Okay, because that was obviously something that I was uh, – Considering when you handicap the Bucks down the stretch of the regular season here, having said that, um, yeah, I mean, gosh, it seems like, and, and maybe they did. Uh, they would have to not drop another game the rest of the way. This right. Season, yeah. Which so is that's obviously unrealistic. Yeah, but for a while there, they were on pace to tie them. Um. They. They were. Yeah. They. They were. They were always on pace for seventy wins. Um. But real. But when you get to this point that they're at. The, the percentages of on pace to 70 and then 71, it, it changes a lot, obviously, with one. Sure. Because there's just no – because, you know, there's just obviously no room for error. And, frankly, you know, after this game, they're traveling to L.A. and they're playing Mr. LeBron James uh, Friday night in L.A. And you can bet on LeBron James and A.D. coming ready, coming correct for that game. That's going to be a good one. Yeah. So – um, Just to, before you hop in there, just to touch also – Obviously, like we're mentioning, they haven't lost many times. So maybe you're wondering how they do coming off a loss. Obviously, an embarrassing blowout loss in Miami, right? You know, so they're six and two against the spread off the loss. Small sample size, but that's seventy-five percent. The small sample size because they don't lose that much, and they're in against the spread margin of winning by seven points in those eight contests. So, so that's pretty good if you're going to look into the full game. But you know, coming off of a loss, I really like the Bucks at home here. 
you know, with a day's rest, they're going to come in and, and they're going to they're going to be ready to play. Yeah, and I think that's just it. Off that embarrassing loss, you'd expect them to uh, be focused in. And I, it seems like a lot of these times, and uh, you know, I, I'm not, uh, I don't have the numbers to back this right now, but the Bucks seem to be one of those teams you can trust in these heavy favorite roles. Like I backed them about a month ago when they were on the road at minus nine against Orlando. That covered pretty easily like just in general it seems like they're a team that doesn't take night too many nights off and they just did on monday so uh yeah i think i, I believe think, if the season ended today they would uh set the the record for uh margin of victory for a season okay right there you go and so record of does. 20 point wins um right. and i believe 40 point wins also so yeah they don't take their competition lightly pretty much ever right but i i guess by the same token like Again, I just kind of a rule of thumb with big lines. Like, if I like the favorite, I'm much rather going to play them first half or first quarter because, in all likelihood, if you're going to cover that big of a number, you're going to have to start well. So, um, I I think your your handicap makes sense on the Bucks. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, just to take it into consideration, obviously this game was on the road, but the last game they dropped, they actually also, by the way, lost to the Pacers um, before losing the Heat. They lost to this Pacers team on the road. So slight revenge spot. I don't know if you guys remember, I was actually also on the Pacers that game. Um, Pacers won that game, and they got after it early. They were up 34-20 to 20 in that first quarter. So not only did they lose the Miami Heat, it's also a slight revenge spot for the Pacers here coming in the first quarter. And by the way, just to note, after that Pacers loss, they then went on the road. I understand the Pistons are pathetic. I, I understand. So uh, I'm not going to... But still, nonetheless, they won the first quarter after that loss, 32-18. to 18. Point is, the Bucks are and have proven, and I'm finally going to, you know, give my to my captain they're the solidified as the best team in the nba currently right now and i expect them you know at home to to come back and bounce back uh, 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 you know i just I, I i like them to start hot and then your other play is down in the big d the mavericks hosting the pelicans new orleans on the second leg of a back-to-back uh and you like dallas in the first 12 minutes yeah new orleans <clears throat> second leg of back-to-back like you said Tough fought game too, down to the wire. I mean, 130 losing 139 to 134, a lot of energy spent. I don't know if you realized, um, but the Minnesota Timberwolves really were picking up the pace when Zion was out there on the floor. Zion, I saw sad. Zion was only out there for about for 32 minutes, and I believe the Minnesota Timberwolves scored around 100 points in those 32 minutes. Um, his defense and effort wasn't the best. You can see maybe it has to do with some conditioning. Maybe it has to do with you know how he's still adapting to NBA play style. Nonetheless, when the Minnesota Timberwolves picked up the pace, the Pelicans struggled. Um, I mean, Zion still had a great game offensively. That's fine. But, you know, Drew Howdy also logged 37 minutes, Brandon Ingram 35 minutes. So on a back-to-back, and, you know, the Mavericks are just really good. Um, I mean, Luka Dantich played last game, but he sat the game before against the Timberwolves. So, you know, in the last two games, Luka Dantich sat one, Perzingis sat one. So you could say the Mavs are coming in a little rested. The Mavs are coming in off of a loss where they really should have won against the Bulls. I mean, they were winning the majority of that game. They really blew it. And you could just really see 
um, their their difference of without Perzingis out there that they definitely missed him because when Luca went to the bench, they would keep losing their seven or eight point lead, and he would have to come back in and save them. And ultimately, it just wasn't enough with the minutes that Luca wasn't playing. So it really showed, you know, not only Perzingis, but obviously. Uh, recently named Western Conference Player of the Week, how well Porzingis has been playing for them, and they do need that one-two punch, because when Luka goes to the bench, uh, they just they were struggling against the Bulls, and that just shouldn't happen. We talk about teams off a loss. You know who the, you know, the Bucks, by the way, I said, have the second best winning percentage? You know what happens to have the third, or the first best against the spread winning percentage after a loss? Well, it's your right. Dallas Mavericks. 18-5-1 they are after a loss against the number. That's not straight up. Against the number. 18-5-1. 78%. And that's obviously a larger sample size. And they're winning against the spread by 5.5 points. So this is no fluke, right? They, they, they come to play the next day. And again, the Dallas Mavericks are one of the best first quarter teams <clears throat> Excuse me, in the NBA. They, um, in the NBA, they're, they're four, they're, they're fourth this year, excuse me, they're, they're fifth this year, plus 2.6 overall. Um, they're a great first quarter team on the road at plus 4.3. They actually are not as good at home at only plus one. However, the New Orleans Pelicans are bad on the road. Like I mentioned them in the name with the Indiana Pacers, they're minus 2.9 points on the road in the first quarter. That's good for the sixth worst in the NBA. That's pretty bad. Couple that with coming off of a back-to-back game with a little tired legs. They're traveling, obviously, from New Orleans to Dallas. Dallas, obviously, was off on Tuesday because they played in Chicago Monday night. I like the Mavericks to come out hot here. And one thing to note, I'm not sure if every team does this, and I'm talking a lot about this Mavericks game, but I'm going to move on after this. Luka Doncic plays the full first quarter. Um, I don't know if I've noticed many other teams where their star player plays the entire first 12 minutes, but he does. He plays the entire first 12 minutes, so maybe that's why they've been a great first quarter team, but just something interesting to note. Uh, again, that line is not out yet at minus 6 or minus 5.5, though I expect to get a, probably a minus 2, minus 2.5 line for the first quarter, and I'll be playing that for sure. Yeah, I don't uh, have a ton here other than, you know, we talked and we'll get into more of this with college basketball because it's a little more relevant in college hoops. But, you know, you have a New Orleans team that is battling for that final playoff spot. Granted, they did just lose last night to Minnesota. So, um, you know, maybe they kind of come out with some desperation. But at the same time, like you said, Dallas, very good off of losses themselves and at home. You know, uh, and I, before we hopped on, I talked about how I played the Pelicans win total under. I just felt like this was going to be more of a feeling out, get to know each other year for them than actually winning basketball games. Uh, And last night's game, I think, is kind of an example of that where they were kind of running up and down the floor and they were scoring a lot, but uh, there was really nothing in the way of defense for either team in that game. And uh, the Timberwolves end up winning, and, and, you know, you can't lose at home to Minnesota if you're going to make the playoffs. So uh, the the Pelicans might be, uh, it might be, you know, in a week we might be saying, all right, they're officially done. So I, I see where you're going with this one. Yeah, I agree with both of you guys. The only thing I would say to counter it would be, you know, the Pelicans aren't a terrible team on back-to-backs. They're 6-2 and two against the spread with no rest. And I like what Matt's saying about Mavs coming out hot early, but, 
you know, when we look at teams that are looking like they're going to have tired legs, a lot of times that ends up biting them at the end of the game, not so much in the beginning of the game. But for all the reasons that you stated about how good the Mavs are in that first quarter, and especially if you mentioned at the end with Luka playing that entire 12 minutes, it's pretty rare, like you said, for a star player. That just gives them a huge advantage. So I'm probably not going to play this, but I, I totally see the Mavs coming out and then being able to cover that first quarter spread for you. Appreciate that, boys. Let's get the first quarter cover. <laughs> right. <laughs> Let's move forward and go to the college hardwood now where we will be for uh, pretty much the rest of the podcast. Um, I want to get us started uh, in the American Conference, a uh, conference that I pay close attention to. Um, and, you know, I'm going to start with a game that probably isn't at the top of most people's radars. I'm going to start and end with picks involving teams that aren't going to be in the NCAA tournament. But it is what it is. I uh, I looked at this game. SMU is a short favorite in Orlando against the Central Florida Knights. Uh, but I'm actually more interested in the total of 139. I was leaning towards the Central Florida side, uh, and this was one of those things that Bill and I talked about this a little bit with the Virginia-Duke game on Saturday when we had a short line for Duke but a really low total. Well, here we have a short line for SMU but a relatively high total. I mean, close. I think anything above 141 and a half, 142 is probably pretty high. So here we're at 139. And my point is, I think sometimes you can look at the line and you can look at the total and you can kind of get a feel for what kind of game we're going to see. And speaking to that Virginia and uh, Virginia and Duke game, Bill and I kind of saw a short line, but then we saw a really low total and we're like, well, if that's the game that's going to be played, Virginia's probably going to win the game, and sure enough, that's what happened. Well, here we have a really short line, and we have a UCF team that is below average offensively. They're outside the top 200 in true shooting percentage, uh, 228th in offensive efficiency, uh, 10th in the American Conference in scoring. So there's not a whole lot about UCF that really gets you excited. That's why they're closer to the bottom of the American than the top. And then you look at SMU on the road, you know, because they've actually, we talked last week about how they've been a really good home team and, you know, but yet they're not really in the picture for the NCAA tournament. So I was like, oh, they must've had some clunkers on the road. And sure enough, offensively, 57 points at Tulsa, 43 at Cincinnati, 62 at Houston, 68 at East Carolina, 59 in a non-conference game at Evansville. And they even had an overtime game at Georgia where they only scored 68. So all of those games, I said, on the road, and if they stay in in those numbers again uh, offensively, then I think they probably this game probably stays under 139 because we're talking about a short line, so a game that probably is won in the upper 60s. And UCF, as I said, not a very good offensive team. SMU, not the same offensive team on the road. I like it under 139 for my first pick. Uh, if I'm going to play this, and I'm probably not, I would probably go the other way with you there, Greg, because I'm, I'm just looking at it uh, a little more closer now. And SMU, you mentioned they're not doing that well on the road offensively. But their last two road games have gone over the number, right? They were they have, yeah, I did see at that. Tulsa. <clears throat> at Tulsa and at Tulane, they both went over. Um, and then home – Right, for, but that uh, Tulsa game, if I'm remembering correctly, that's the game I said that they scored 57 in, but Tulsa yeah. was in the 70s. Like, I'm not yeah, expecting yeah. CF to do that. 
For for sure, yeah. I mean, look, it's going to depend on both teams, not just one team being able to hit, hit the number um, that's going to dictate it. But and like you mentioned earlier about how we were talking about Virginia, how you saw that game kind of playing out. Um, but yeah, I think I would actually tend to lean a little bit on the over here, just because I feel like I'm if I'm going to play this game, I'm probably going to play SMU to be honest. Um, and then you look back at the last time they played, they they went what I think SMU won by seven eighty. 81 to 74, so they went yeah, well over I that number, Yeah, I do agree too. that it's probably correlated. If you like SMU, you like the yeah. over. You right, so were you saying you like Central Florida? Then, yeah, I mean, if Central Florida is going to be covering the number, if they're going to win the game, it's probably going to be a, a, a shorter number. Um, but I kind of like SMU, so if I was going to lean, I'd lean the over. But, again, I'm probably not going to have a play on it. Sure. Yeah, um, I currently lean – uh, SMU here. I don't have any play on the total. I don't have an official play on SMU. Um, I would love to take SMU, but that loss at home oh. the other day on Sunday, I mean, it was awful. Was really brutal. Um, I had first half uh, for max play. I cashed that. I did lose the money line though for two units. Um, and so there are two types of teams, in my opinion that come back from a loss like that. Sure. Their season's now either over or, you know, that's a win that they – I mean, a loss that they take, they break down. Rally and around. now yeah, – yeah, and they exactly. And they rally around. They maybe, you know, they win this game. Um, they win their next game on the road against uh, South Florida. They make a little noise in their conference tournament. Uh, can we agree that SMU is going to get in the tournament? Now, I think they're going to have to win the conference tournament just with the way the American is set up. you got Cincinnati and Wichita State on the bubble. Houston's the only team that's safe. So if you're not one of those three, you're going to have to win the conference tournament. Okay, so could they win the conference tournament, do you guys think? I, I, I don't think it's out of the question. I mean, they are a pretty good offensive team, like I said, all together. And they did uh, beat Memphis twice, which is another team that you would think could be a potential bid stealer in the American. So... I mean, I think it's possible, but... As Nonetheless, they, they had a path, in my opinion, and they totally blew it by losing to Wichita State. And that's so the any thing. chance like, to I, keep their hopes alive, they're going to win out and win these next two games. And, and frankly, um, U, UCF just isn't very good. So SMU should win this game, but obviously we've seen crazier things. Yeah, and that's my thing, Matt. Like, when I saw... I, UCF's not very good, so when I saw one, I was like, oh, that feels really short... Do I take UCF or do I take the under? And I just think in a closer game, uh, I'd have more wiggle room on the under rather than obviously just one point. Which is parlay SMU in the over and parlay uh, UCF in the under, and you're going to make money either way. <laughs> there you go. Um, let's keep things moving. Uh, we actually both have a pick on uh, Rhode Island Dayton, so let's actually go to one of Matt's plays. Uh, Matt and Bill, I'll let you guys both get in on the Virginia Cavaliers against the Miami Hurricanes. Uh, Bill, I guess I'll let you start here. You haven't had as much time. Yeah, I'm starting to have a little bit of a love affair with these Virginia Cavaliers, as boring (laughs) as they are to watch. Virginia basketball, Um, thing of beauty. Yes, exactly. Uh, You know, Greg and I spoke about this game um, on the podcast that aired on Saturday morning, um, how we definitely felt like uh, Virginia was going to be able to take that game from Duke. Um, And we talked about another game that same day about Michigan State, right? And I mentioned how – it seems like this Blue Blood program is starting to figure it out. They're starting to turn the corner and really make a nice run heading into the tournament. I really feel like 
Virginia is in that same category now as Michigan State's turn, starting to get into. They're rounding into form. They're playing at a much higher level than they were earlier in the year. And let's be real, the coaches on both of those teams, both Izzo and Tony Bennett, are t- some of the top in the country. So it took them a little bit of a time to get these guys ready to go, but I feel like Virginia is just rolling right now. Miami, on the other hand, they are 3-10, and 10, their last 13 as a home dog, and 3-7 and seven their last 10 as a dog under 6.5 points. The spread being 1.5 for Virginia, I like Virginia. Um, also, Miami, 6-14, and 14, their last 20 versus teams with winning records. Uh, that are on the road. In Virginia, they're 7-4 and four on the road, so they have the winning record. And Virginia's 21-6-1 and one against the spread um, as a road road favorite up to 6.5 points. So that all leads me to believe Virginia's going to be the play. On And also, when we talk about before, how we talked about how the, uh, the total plays a part a little bit and how our thinking goes for who's going to win the game, um, the Cavaliers are 21-7, and seven, right? But they average only 57.4 points per game. They're not a great offensive team. They hold opponents, though, under 52. On the other side, Miami, they're allowing 74.6 points per game. That's a ton of points. So even if the number starts to get a little bit higher, I'm really not going to be that nervous. Not that Virginia is such a great offensive team, but more so because I feel like Miami is just going to be able to give them points where necessarily not going to get that from other teams. Like when they play at Duke or they play in a Carolina or something like that, they're not going to be able to score as much. I'm looking at Virginia. They're going to hold Chris Likes under double digits. He's the leading scorer for Miami. I surely feel like uh, the act, uh, what's his name? Yaki or whatever. I can't never remember how to say his name. That's um, embarrassing. It is. Um, but I feel like he's going to have a big game. I think he's going to dominate in the post. He's going to probably score more points. Oh, uh, Dikite. Dikite, yeah, sorry. Um, I really feel like he's going to have a monster game, and, and Virginia's going to be able to put these guys away on the road. I have a quick question. Mm-hmm. What was this line before they played a game this season? Oh, I don't remember. What was it? I'm asking you, what would this line have been, you know, month, had this have been the first game of the season? Uh, Virginia probably by like six or seven. A lot more than minus two. I think we can all agree there. Yeah. That's my point, what I'm getting at. You're getting a discounted price, obviously, because of what we've seen from Virginia in their season body of work. But frankly, the team they've been the last five games is really, I think, the team who we thought they would be. Um you know, obviously, if you go back a little further, they had that loss against Louisville um, to start February. But even then, like, you know, they were pretty competitive in that game, obviously. Like, I understand they were down at halftime, but they won the second half, and they gave themselves a chance to win that game, only end up losing by seven. Clearly been a different team in the second half of the season. I'm on Virginia here. I don't see why the train stops rolling, and it goes right into their home game revenge spot against Louisville, and you can already book it. I will be on the Virginia Cavaliers at home against Louisville Saturday, this Saturday, March 7th. 4 p.m. Yeah, I want to mention something that Bill said uh, about, like, the total and how you can kind of sometimes get hints as far as the side. If we're talking about a Miami team that doesn't defend well and maybe a Virginia team that people associate with being boring and not scoring as much, a Virginia team that might be able to score a little bit more. Well, we know that Virginia is going to be dialed in defensively. Like, it's what they do. They eat, sleep, and breathe defense. So, if you're seeing higher totals in Virginia games, like, that would make me think, you know, unless we're talking about a Duke, like we said on Saturday, where 
we definitely want a lower total if we like Virginia. But if we're, conversely, if we're seeing higher totals against, you know, bottom of the barrel or mediocre ACC teams, then I don't think the same thing I think if I see a high high total versus Duke, where it's like, oh, well, Carey and, you know, Trey Jones are going to get theirs and it's going to be a high-scoring game and Virginia's not going to keep up. No, I think the other way where it's like, oh, well, this team that they're playing probably doesn't defend well, and Virginia's an excellent defensive team. So uh, I think that's interesting uh, in terms of looking at it that way, uh, Bill, with Miami not necessarily defending that well when we know that obviously that's the calling card for the Cavaliers. Yeah, I don't think Miami's going to feel comfortable playing this game, you know, in the 50s. So, again, that's that's going to lead me towards Virginia. Let's keep things moving and go to a pick that uh, Bill and I like. Uh, and I think Matt was going to chime in on this as well on the other side. We'll see. Uh, we have the Dayton Flyers visiting the Rhode Island Rams. This is a 9 o'clock start. Uh, Rhode Island is a four-point dog, uh, and that is where both Bill and I are gravitating towards the home pup. This is, you know, circle the wagons, rally the troops, Greg, I gotta say, I love when you say circle the wagons. You got, <laughs> I absolutely love it. I don't even, I don't even really understand the circle the wagons. Like I kind of do, but I kind of don't. But I just, I absolutely love it. It's great. Okay, well, I'll keep that in mind. Maybe I'll say it more. Sometimes it just Thanks. comes out because I do like saying it too. Um, but like that's the kind of game that this feels like for the Rhode Island Rams. They are a four point underdog. They, I mean, gosh, they, you want to talk about life on the bubble. They are mm-hmm. – I don't think you can be more on the bubble than Rhode Island right now. And I think probably if – So, Greg, are you, wait, are you factoring in a must-win game into this game here? Because Matt wants to say how it's a must-win for Dayton because they won out the one seed. I know no, oh, no, I have nothing to say. I, I'm, this huh? is, goes back to our conversation uh, – before the air, where you where you didn't really like to factor in the muscle. Well, what I was saying before we hopped on was I think sometimes that's over accounted for, okay, and you fair get enough, fair enough. and you get teams that are maybe a little inflated, like Rhode Island on Sunday against yeah. St. Louis. And I didn't take St. Louis, but Rhode Island was laying five and a half, six in that game. And St. Louis is a respectable Atlantic Ten team, so I thought that number seemed a little high. And my point is. When these teams are favored, sometimes there can be a little bit of a tax. That isn't applying here with the dog in the Rams. Massive game. If they win, I think they're still on the bubble, but they're definitely on the right side of it. And then let's look at the Flyers. Dayton just clinched the outright A-10 regular season title. Yes, Bill mentioned, could they get a number one seed? That could be in play here. But I'd argue if things break right for Dayton, maybe they lose this game and win their regular season finale against George Washington, win the A-10 tournament, and, you know, San Diego State gets upset in the Mountain West, or Gonzaga gets upset in the WCC, and there you have the Flyers getting on the one line anyway. So I don't think that this is they necessarily have to win out to get a number one seed. Then conversely, Dayton on the road. I know that they're obviously a top-five team in the nation right now. Three and five against the spread in true road games. So... You know, I think that this is – it feels similar for the home team, Rhode Island, to Rutgers last night, where they had to have it, and the building was just going absolutely insane. Nine o'clock start time, everybody's going to be at the Ryan Center in Kingston. Uh, I like the Rams 
and I'm probably going to take him first half as well, uh, thinking that, again, a lot of the energy in the building lends itself towards them starting well. Uh, and then at that point, I think they can keep it within against the best first half team in the country. You're gonna you're gonna play Rhode Island because, like I said, Dayton just won the A10 regular season title. I I don't think that they're necessarily gonna be as juiced up for this. Whereas this is the season for Rhode Island. I think the building is gonna be going nuts. Uh, so I like Rhode Island first half. The only thing I want to combat that with is saying is I actually hate that when someone when they are oh they already clincher no they these. These, they want to be the best, right? They already clinched, so hypothetically, they are the best. Say, this game doesn't matter. But they want to make sure they're the best, right? Like, do you think, like, the Bucks, right? Let's go back to the NBA just for a second. Like, you think the Bucks went into Miami and they're like, oh, you know what? We already know we're better than the Heat. We already know we're going to be the number one seed. No, they still go out and they win it. So, so, and especially in March when momentum is everything, not saying that they're, you know, I, I just think it's, if you think that Rhode Island's going to win this game, that's fine. I, you know, I, I have no disagreement with that. But if, but I hate the fact when you, you, teams, you look at teams in a must-win spot, but then when you look at teams and they've already maybe won or whatnot, this isn't the NFL, right? Like, they, they still have stuff to play for. They still want to prove that they're a number one seed in the March in March round. Has Dan ever been a number one seed, Greg? I have no idea. Have they? I'm asking. Uh, I, off the top of my head, I would probably say no. Yeah, I would imagine no. So you got to understand that these guys are trying to do something that no one has ever accomplished before putting on that Dayton uniform. That, to me, is special. So I think they're really going to be going for it. I think that they're really going to try and win. However, if you like Rhode Island, that's fine. I just wouldn't, I wouldn't take away from the fact that Dayton really wants to win this game as well. That's all i got to say. No, I, I hear you, Matt, but I'm, so on, wait, I'm Matt, on Rhode Island. Playing Rhode Island? Because you, you know you said you kind of lean that way. Or, I'm sorry, you're playing Dayton. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I, I'm leaning Dayton. Um, and the, the reason I'm leaning Dayton right here is, you know, obviously I love the home team. I love the, the home crowd. I, you know, I love how, how, how stadiums get rocking. But let me tell you, yeah, I think this Dayton team is really good. Um, so I don't think that they're a fluke number one seed, and I think they will get the number one seed. I think they're going to win this game and win out. Um, they beat the, this Rhode Island team. They beat them down. I understand that I was at home, so a little different. They beat them down by 14. But the main reason why I like this game is because, in my mind, we've seen this game. We've seen Dayton play this exact game before. And I believe you two were on the other side, correct me if I'm wrong, about two, three weeks ago when Dayton walked into VCU with that hostile environment and I watched that game, the majority, yes, you guys can laugh, I actually watched the majority of that game, and I saw a Dayton Flyers team lead pretty, lead wire, damn near wire to wire on the road against that VCU team, that's it, they proved it to me, they can win on the road in, 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 in Rhode Island tonight. Look, it's not, we're not saying Rhode Island's a lock at all, I mean, for sure, Dayton can come in and, and beat on them, look, they lost by 14 in Dayton, Dayton was up big on them, I think, early, like 18 to 3 or something like that. I think it started out as. So, like, they were kind of dead in the water to start. So, I don't think I'm going to play a first-half play on this, but I can see either way. Like, I can see Dayton coming out and getting on them early. But, like, like Brendan mentioned, you know, Dayton's not that great against the number on the road. I get that VCU game. I know that they, they beat down. They hit, hit the number on that one. But it's going to be a different environment. It's, again, senior night. Rhode Island is heavily on the bubble. They need this win. Um, and they're 2-0 as a home as a home dog. Good. Not a big sample size, but still. And they're 5-2 their last seven against winning opponents. Who did they so play those they, two games? You they know, get up, the they get up to those games. I don't know if I thought in my head. Um, 
But the other thing that I looked at, too, is what the turnovers were. So Dayton turned the ball over 14 times, right, last game, even though they still won the game. However, at home, this Rhode Island team, they're forcing at least 16 turnovers per game. That leads me to believe that they're going to be turning Dayton over a little bit more than they're normally doing. And the, ki- the kid on my all-name team, Fats Russell, has been unbelievable. He's averaging almost 20 points a game. And then that uh, St. Louis game that Greg mentioned, he had eight steals against the Falcons. So I think they're going to be turning them over a little bit. Again, very hostile environment. I think Rhode Island's going to be able to cover, you know, with the four points. Dayton can still win the game, but I'm going to take the points. I'm going to take Rhode Island. Yeah, and that's the thing, right? Like, you're getting over possession here. Like, mm-hmm. it just feels like this could be a game that goes either way in the final minutes. So, uh, you know. Yeah, no, I, I, I thoroughly agree on that. That's why, you know, for me it's still a lean because, I, however, I do think Dayton's going to win the game. But like you guys said, I wouldn't be surprised if it's, if it's a one-possession victory. Yeah. I'm going to go to another game that uh, both Bill and Matt were on. And, actually, it's probably a game that I'm going to add to my plays because I mentioned that the line just really – Struck me as odd, and it's the Florida Gators as two and a half point road chalk down in Athens against the Georgia Bulldogs. And, uh, you know, when you have a clear tournament team in Florida, granted, Florida, I think, is underachieved this year. They were a team with uh, Blackshear transferring there, I thought was going to be, you know, a top three seed perhaps in the NCAA tournament. That's not going to happen. So, uh, having said that, when I saw this line, I just it definitely perked my interest. Uh, but it's your pick, and as I said, I'm probably just going to tail it. Uh, you guys like Georgia at home uh, as the road as the home dog. Uh, Bill and Matt, take it away. Yeah, so you you were just kind of alluding to it a little bit, Matt. Like, or sorry, Greg. They they are two different types of teams, right? And you look at their splits. Georgia at home, they're five and one. Their last home dog games. They're 4-1 versus teams over 600. They're 6-2 the last eight against teams over 500. And they're 4-0 last four as dogs under 6.5 points. When they're at home and they're playing a good opponent, they get up for that game. Now flip it. Florida on the road, they're 3-7 on the road their last 10. They're 1-4 against the spread their last five games against Georgia. They seem to play down to the level of their opponent. Like if Florida was playing a team like a Kentucky in this spot, and the line being a little different, I could see Florida getting up for this game. It just seems like Florida kind of lets down against these weaker opponents in conference. And like you said, this line, when I saw it come out, really looked shaky to me. And I'm kicking myself for last night because last night I went against all my instincts. I went against Rutgers where I was, that line was screaming at me. I went against, um, who was it, Tennessee. That line was screaming at me. This is another one. Like Georgia only getting two, maybe two and a half, is screaming at me. I have to take Georgia here. They're going to probably win outright. Again, I'm going to take the points, but I wouldn't be surprised if Georgia wins this game straight up. Yeah, I I mean, for nine out of ten, if not ten of those ten reasons is why I'm playing Georgia, and I'm just taking them straight up. Uh, Plus 125 on the money line. No reason to take the points here. Either Florida is going to come to play and show us why they're clearly the better team, or Georgia is going to do what they've been doing at home, Um, and, and that's what Bill alluded to as they get up against the better opponents and they play better at home, and they're going to win this game. I'd be very shocked if this game landed within the one to two point margin, and I actually expect this game to be pretty one sided, uh, whichever way it is, and I, you know, obviously I hope it's uh, one sided on Georgia's way. Right, like we just said, like look at the last games they had: Florida at Tennessee, um, they lost by five. Tennessee's not a great team; they're okay. 
And then you look at Georgia, the last time that they played somebody at home that was tough was Auburn, and they beat them by 10. So And don't, the don't, 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 don't diminish Arkansas. They're a solid no. basketball team as well, and they won at home by 10. They put yeah. up 99 points. I, yeah. you know, I don't really care who you're playing. This is SEC put up, I understand they let up 89, but it almost scored 100 points. It's pretty impressive. Right. Yeah, and, like, the one thing, and I'm with you guys, and I'm probably going to be playing Georgia. The one thing that I would be slightly concerned about, and this is just a hunch, I don't know, because I haven't been paying close attention to Georgia the last couple weeks, but they have a top NBA prospect on their roster in Anthony Edwards. And sometimes do you wonder when those guys play on teams that aren't going to the NCAA tournament late in the season – do you wonder where their heads are at? Like, yeah, their heads at Greg are exactly what you just said. I'm gonna I'm gonna answer that question right away. Their heads are at I have two to three more games to show the world why I am the number one overall pick. That's exactly where this kid's heads at because he's not gonna be playing in the March Madness tournament where all the eyes are. So he understands. Yeah. Look, you can make an argument either way. You could just say that he's going to overcompensate for it and go a lot harder than he needs to and, and be a detriment to his team. But for the reasons that me and Matt were talking about earlier, I just don't see that changing in this game. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, we you know, we look at the totals here. Georgia, they're averaging 81 points at home. They're shooting 40%, 47% from the field. Now, like Florida can play D, but they're going to have trouble keeping up with this Georgia offense, I feel like. Plus, I feel like Georgia's going to put up all these points. Last home, potential last home game. Obviously, I mean, you know, I understand some of these guys are just in and out for the league, but you, you, when you put on that jersey and you step on that court and your name's called and the fans are cheering for you, there's still some pride and heart out there for every single player. So, I want to keep things moving, and I'm going to give my last two sides on, on mid-major conference plays. Uh, one is a conference tournament. The other is right now uh, down in Charlotte, where I actually like a I like a road favorite with uh, the North Texas Mean Green. I'm laying four to back them against the Charlotte 49ers. Basically, here's what I'm seeing, and here's why I landed on my other side is going to be on another team that is even more out there. But um, this time of year, we always, I at least want to try and familiarize myself with some more of these smaller schools, especially the ones that have a chance to make the NCAA tournament as the auto bid from their league. Uh, and North Texas is that. They are first in the Conference USA right now. That conference tournament is next week, uh, and it's a team that I think could be live in the first round, depending on who they draw. Right now, uh, I just looked at a couple brackets. They're sitting in like a 13. You know, maybe they could play their way up to a 12 and be interesting. But mainly what I'm getting at here is when I look at these smaller schools and when I look at the mid-majors, can they shoot the ball? Because we know that they're not necessarily going to have the best athletes because oftentimes the best athletes out of high school have offers to go to high-major programs. So North Texas grades out well in true shooting percentage, in effective field goal percentage. They're 30th in the nation in offensive efficiency. So – and they're like top 10 in true shooting and effective field goal percentage. So they, they can hit the three ball well. They got five shooters that shoot at least 36% from the three-point line. Charlotte is just middle of the road in a lot of those same offensive stats. So they already played this year in North Texas one by nine. You're telling me I get them at four. And it's a North Texas team that 
Uh, I think down the stretch, I've talked about this before, how I like to play those teams at the top in the mid-major leagues because they don't have any margin for error. I mean, there's only going to be one team that goes in these leagues, probably is going to be North Texas out of Conference USA. And like I said, if those teams can shoot, that can change a lot of things. I like North Texas minus the four. And if for nothing else, you guys have to like this pick because they are called the Mean Green. <laughs> I I don't know, man. I haven't really looked at this game too much. I'm trying to look at it now as you're talking about it. And some of the things that are sticking out to me, Charlotte being uh, 3-0 as a home dog, I really didn't dive into it to see what the spreads were in that one. Um, North Texas, they're okay, 3-2 and two as an away favorite. But you were just mentioning, right, North Texas, the reason you like them is because they can put up the points, right? Well, and they're a good outside shooting team. So, I mean, the – the, the number's really not that high. I mean, it's only 129. I think I'd feel oh, better total. if it was yeah. a little higher. You know what I mean? The total being a little low. I, I don't know. Sure. I, I don't know if I'll play it. Um, I wish it best of luck. I, I just, I don't know. That total to me with 129 makes me feel like Charlotte's going to keep it a little bit um, a lower total. And Also, like, this is ticked out and uh, maybe, I don't know it, what's driving this, but I'm seeing four and a half now. I booked four. Okay. That's always a good sign. Yeah, so, uh, but no, I just wanted to get that pick in quickly, and, and let's keep things moving nonetheless. Um, let's go to one of Matt's picks. Uh, as Matt, you're going to look at the Arkansas Razorbacks. This is another SEC game that kind of caught my attention. I don't think I will have any action on it, though. Arkansas, two-and-a-half-point home favorite against the LSU Tigers, total 154. You like the home favorite. Yeah, Greg, I do here. Um, again, this is just, I, you know, I know we kind of spoke about this, but again, you know, we got a, a senior night here, last home game, you know, a, a game that Arkansas needs to win, in my opinion. Obviously, those are all just outside factors. Don't Those aren't, you know, the sole reason. We saw a real close game last time these two played. Arkansas actually led at the half. It was back and forth the whole way. LSU only won by two. Uh, Arkansas covered that game. Just makes me think you flip the scene. Arkansas's at home. Uh, and, you know, and I just think that Arkansas can get it done with that home crowd, they both have kind of been shaky recently. Um, you know, two and five against the spread. Two and I mean, two and three. Excuse me, against the spread and straight up, both teams are in their last five. So you know, they really haven't been as good as they've been earlier in the year per se. However, Arkansas is two and zero oh, straight up and against the spread in their last two home games. You know. We talk about how what home court advantage means in college basketball. And simply put here, I think these are just two teams that are on the same playing level, and I'm going to be taking Arkansas small home dog – or home favorite, excuse me. I mean, I like the opposite side of this. I'm not, I don't know if I'm going to play it or not, but Arkansas being 3-8-1 against the spread their last 12 was a home favorite under 6.5 points. They don't seem comfortable there. And I go to the other side with LSU, who has been playing decent on the road. Um, and they're nine and four the last thirteen as a dog under six and a half on the road. So, just from those numbers, kind of makes me want to lean uh, LSU. Regression back to the mean. Okay, it's not always true though, but okay. Uh, um, I don't really have a ton here. I, I kind of looked at it. It just felt to me like Arkansas might be the side based off of 
like this number, like them being favored. Correct me if I'm wrong, but hasn't LSU been ahead of Arkansas most of the season in the SEC? And I remember them having a really close game against Auburn a month ago. Like, has LSU, did LSU just have a bad February? Yeah. Yeah, they kind of like pumped the gas a little bit. But again, I don't, they played decent on the road and Arkansas is not that great as a home favorite. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how I lean on. I, I probably again. I lean. I, I mean, yeah. Up. I mean, to answer your question though, Greg. Yeah, yeah, yes. They had a bad February. They lost to Vanderbilt um, as an eleven point favorite on the road. So they, they, that was a brutal loss. And then they they travel on the road. Uh, you know, and they, they lost that close game, like you said, to Auburn. Um, and then they only beat a Missouri team when they were twelve point favorites. They only beat Missouri by four. On uh, on the uh, at home, excuse me, and then they traveled to Alabama, where they were a small dog, and they lost by six. And then they came home, and they had a chance to right the ship uh, with a big home game against Kentucky. And obviously, we know Kentucky won that game wire to wire. Uh, and then LSU did walk into South Carolina and got a win. But if they didn't get that win in South Carolina, LSU would have been coming into this game in real big trouble. Uh, they're stumbling into this game, and Arkansas is going to take it. And if I remember correctly, too, like. Before the month of February, I kind of remember LSU being like a tournament team, like a ranked. team that a lot. Of... Go ahead. Oh, I was saying ranked too. Yeah, they were ranked. Yeah. They were yeah. getting there. So it just feels weird that uh, you know they've completely kind of collapsed. But at the same time, like I don't know, like I'm not necessarily running to bet Arkansas. Slight lean that way, uh, but ultimately I'll, I'll pass. Is Greg. I just took a look back at January. Seems like they were just really running on fool's gold in January, right? They, they beat Arkansas at home only by two. Then they come at home and they only beat Mississippi State by one. Then they go on the road and they only win by four against Texas A&M. Then on the road again by four against Ole Miss. Two well, and I'm glad you mentioned Florida. that. Two it, points at home at Texas. So that means they you know, played, they played one, two, three. They played seven straight games where the margin – Excuse me, if you want to go up to six points, they, they played seven straight games where the margin um, of win or loss for their games, which they ended up all winning, was under four was, was, was under four points. So obviously, all the close games that they won in January, it just seemed like that they, they weren't able to pull off in February. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned that, and it's frustrating to me that I didn't catch that in February because Bill and I talked about this with Notre Dame, actually, and why I liked Wake Forest in our weekend pod. Notre Dame had been, you know, surviving by the skin of its teeth, trying to play its way onto the bubble in the ACC as kind of that fifth team. And eventually they played another close game against Wake Forest and they lost. So, and that actually is going to factor into my last handicap quite a bit as well with the team I like. But um, it's something that we should take into account more often. At least personally, I, like, at least personally a, I don't. If you see a team win five or six close games in a row, you kind of the seventh or eighth time you want to bet against them, and vice versa. If you see them lose, you know four or five in a row by that margin, normally there's going to be there, there's going to be value to bet on them. Yeah, there's a big you know not to bring it to the NFL, but there's a big stat. Um, you know you can look at the lucky quote unquote lucky ness of the NFL and check out the trends. Um, one of the most uh, iconic ones really was the Panthers, obviously when they had that you know that amazing season outlier a bit and then, you know, kind of look how the games went the following season for them. You know, the bounces just, again, ultimately just regress back to the mean. 
let's go forward with another one of Bill's picks. Uh, Seton Hall uh, in the Big East uh, gets a big win against Marquette. Uh, and, Bill, you're looking at their game tonight, uh, and, and you like it under the total with the Pirates. Yeah, for the same kind of reasons that I had mentioned on our Saturday pod, Villanova's been playing a lot of unders. They're 15 uh, of the last 19 have gone under. Um, as a home favorite on the other side, Seton Hall, you know, they're four and eight, I believe. So eight games on the under. Um, and Nova as an away dog, one and three, three to the under. I'm leading the under here. I'm probably going to make the play on the under. He only accounted for 134 points last time they played. Um, I think it's inflated. 140 and a half seems really high to me. Uh, we saw that the struggles that Nova had last game with Gillespie not being himself. He wasn't able to run that offense efficiently like they want to. I don't know how healthy he is right now. Uh, the, the line itself, though, being only four, I don't know. If I had to make a lean there, I'd lean Nova a little bit. I could see them coming back and getting a win on the road because they have split with every team, every top team, basically. In right, conference. and they should lose at Wells Fargo Center to Seton Hall about a So i got to ask you, though, so, so, so if you think that their offense is going to struggle mm-hmm. with Glepsy out, but you lean Villanova, yeah. wouldn't – how, so so you think they're just going to be playing lockdown defense? They play D, yeah. Everybody forgets that about this team for some reason. Like they, they have all these guys that can score, but they forget how well they defend. And and it's the same thing on offense. They're not coming down and trying to fire up shots all the time. You know, they're coming down, they're being methodical, they're running efficient offense. But defensively, they're going to run that, like, zone half-court trap press thing where they're, all they're doing is just trying to slow the team down, not let them be comfortable coming to better sets. You know, and to so me, that kind of, you know, I'm sorry. Does it worry you the quality of competition that these teams have played over the last five or six games? And what would it worry me about the total? Oh no, I'm saying for Villanova. I was talking for Villanova to win this game. I was this just wondering my... what you thought. It just it just seems like that 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 Cian Hall has played um, better competition over. The, I don't I don't personally have it. Yeah, but he's taking the under anyway. Oh, yeah, no, I was just saying for the Villanova lean, you know, because it seems like you're correlating Villanova to the under. So I was just wondering if you thought that for the Villanova side. Because I, I lean Villanova as well, but I, just looking back at it, it, Villanova just hasn't really played some of the, the competition level that Seen, that Seen Hall has played. So it just scares me a little bit about Villanova. Well, they're in the same conference. I don't know how they're not playing. No, I just mean as of late, the last couple games. You know, I mean, Villanova – it played Providence, St. John's, Xavier, DePaul. Yeah, but Seton Hall just played Marquette. Yeah, so Marquette, you got Butler. They also played Providence, but they also played Creighton uh, two weeks ago. It was. I was just curious. I don't have a plan on this game. I was just wondering your, gotcha. your opinion. Yeah, I mean, it could play into a little bit, I guess. But, uh, again, I'm playing the under for the reasons of all these trends. You know, they're, they're, they're hitting the under number almost every single game now. And, again, this is a huge game for both programs, you know, uh, heading into their conference yeah, tournament. nerves, so. maybe. Yeah, I, I just don't I don't see the number getting that high, so I'm going to be going under on that one, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I like the under there as well. I was just curious for your opinion on Villanova because I, I do lean Villanova in this spot. It just worries me, like I said, that, that I think Cena Hall is a little bit more prepared coming into this game um, just based off of the level of competition they've played in the past couple. Yeah, I can see it. Matt, uh, I'm going to let you talk about your own mater now. You like the Indiana Hoosiers in the first half – they are hosting the Minnesota Golden Gophers, who uh, have really fallen on hard times the last week. They lose a close one in Madison on Sunday against the Wisconsin Badgers, and then they lose, of course, a 
just a brutal game that I was on against Maryland last Wednesday. So it does kind of feel like the Gophers are uh, really grasping for air, if you will, and, and conversely. Yeah, they could, they could circle the wagons and uh, get their wagon out of Bloomington. Because, <laughs> yeah. because, I don't know because, if they can circle the wagons. It I, kind of feels like they're done. But conversely, Indiana, you like them at home here. Uh, you know, talking about bubble life, you know, they're, they're look, kind of right on it as well. Look, this is Minnesota's last road game. Um, this game, you know, we talk about this. Obviously, Indiana's in the tournament with enough um, – with enough quality wins, we can agree they're in the tournament. They're just boosting their seed, obviously, depending on how they do the next two games. And in the Big Ten Conference tournament, they can make some noise and boost it. I believe they're sitting around anywhere from a ninth seed to an 11 seed currently yeah, right see, now. I know. The thing is, like, I agree they're probably going to make it. But, like, if they were to, say, lose tonight, yes. They're, yes. they're only a four-point favorite. You know, and, and the Big Ten, we know how deep it is. Like, if they lose their first game of the the conference sorbet, I'd be biting my fingernails if I were a Hoosier fan. So they just lost on the road to Illinois, a close game. Um, the only way I see them not making the tournament is literally if they lose out. So if they lose this game at home to Minnesota, if they lose at home to Wisconsin, and then if they lose the first round of the Big Ten. Now, right. I guess all I'm saying, Matt, is like in the Big Ten, that can happen. Yeah, it could. However, Indiana doesn't lose back-to-back home games very often. So if, for whatever reason, they drop this game, you know, then they're going to you know, understand how important the next game is at home against Wisconsin, which obviously would be a quality win. Again, I think they also understand, though, that winning this game is almost just as important because, like you said, it, like, strings together these wins. If they win these two and they lost, hypothetically, in the first round of the Big Ten, I think they're still getting in. Um, they're but okay. lost these two— I, I'd agree because you're talking about a Wisconsin win. Yeah, and a Wisconsin win, exactly, that's going to boost their resume. Now, if they lost these two, then yeah, oh, Big Ten tournament is huge for them. So I think they understand this game is a slight little stepping stone. Um, and however, Minnesota, they're done. They're not making the tournament. This is their last road game. Then they're going to come at home against a shitty Nebraska team, and they're probably going to end their season on a high note and beat Nebraska by double digits. They don't want any part of this game right now. And Indiana's coming in here off of two losses, back-to-back on the road, and they're coming back at home where they, where their most recent game, they just beat Penn State at home. I like Indiana to come out guns blazing in the first half, and they, they really, they're, they're, they're just really good at home in these spots when they need to win, from what I've seen. A little bit of bias. I would be lying if that was not filtered in there, but Indiana first half, minus one and a half. Yeah, and I think I like it more just from the anti-Minnesota angle, um, mainly because, as I said, when you suffer the losses that they suffered, that was, talk about circle the wagons, that was it for them last week against Maryland. They were exactly 500, the Gophers, and obviously most of the time if you're 500, you're not going anywhere, but in the Big Ten with how deep it is. And then on still... Sunday, they almost pulled off the road upset at Wisconsin. At Wisconsin, right. So, you know, they lose back-to-back games like that so closely. And Wisconsin, of course, the border battle, that's an arch rival for them. Uh, and so when they lose like that, it just makes me think, well, this is a team that's about to tap out. And and maybe that's not true. The seat's getting pretty warm for Richard Pitino with the University of Minnesota. I, I, I'm not sure he's going to make it to next season. Uh, and so, again, Archie Miller, on the other hand, has really uh, gotten that Indiana program heading in the right direction. So uh, 
I would definitely lean with Indiana. I mean, look, the only thing that scares me is obviously we saw Indiana win on the road by 12 points. However, they were a five and a half point dog. So I, you know, I mean, they're only three and a half point favorites. You could say why they won by 12, but I'm going to say it's not that they won by 12. The line shifted nine points for home court. So, you know, Forget what they actually won that game by. They were plus five and a half, and now they're minus three and a half. So I would look more towards the line shifting nine points rather than them, oh, they won by 12. Why are they only minus three and a half? Yeah, that's kind of what I was going to go to, the fact they're only three and a half point favorite. I would feel like they would be a higher favorite than this. Um, <clears throat> so it kind of makes me nervous. I don't know if I'll put a play on this at all, but the public's definitely backing you guys. I mean, they're almost three-quarters of the way on Indiana. Um, yeah, so, that's you know, why that I it. It feels too public. Yeah, it's a, a little strange. Again, but like Matt said, they're at home. This game means a lot to them. Minnesota's had some of the worst losses recently. Again, I'm also totally see time. them laying down. Yeah, so I, I'll probably sit out and just and, 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 and just look at it from the outside, maybe make a second-half play on it, depending on what happens in the first half. But, yeah, it, it only being three-and-a-half makes me a little nervous taking Indiana. I'm going to wrap things up with my favorite play of the day. and I got a hockey play after you, Greg. Yes, and I'm going to go to the ice. I'm talking about college hardwood picks. Uh, My favorite pick of the day, I mean, what would be the full slate podcast without talking McNeese State Cowboys? But that's where I'm going. I've never even heard of that, Greg. In the South Conference Tournament. Are you making this up? I'm not making this up. This is a real pick. Max play McNeese State plus five and a half. And why do I like this? Well, Greg, they have just, five guys that play for their team that look like you. <laughs> <laughs> what well, I just mentioned with North Texas that the Bean Green shoot the ball well. Well, I'm looking at all the uh, kind of offensive outside shooting stats, and I keep seeing McNeese State pop out. Five shooters this year at 37% or higher from behind the three-point line. They are sixth in the nation in three-point field goal percentage, fourth in the nation in effective field goal percentage, and yet they're only around 500 in the in the uh, Southland Conference. Why is that? Because going into the month of February, they were poised to be a top seed in this conference tournament and have a chance to win it. What happened in February? They happened to lose six straight games to start the month by seven points or less. So, And one of those went to overtime. So not only do I get a team, and like I said, in these mid-major leagues, I love to look at the shooting numbers because we know that the athleticism isn't always going to be as strong. And this team shoots the lights out most nights. And then I see all the close games went against them in February, which makes me think there's going to be value to play on them in March. And also, I mentioned all those shooters. Their best player is a guy named Shamarcus Kennedy, who's averaging 18 points, 10.5 rebounds, 2.8 blocks. He's not even one of those shooters. McNeese yeah. won against Nickel State in the regular season, okay? And then if we look all the way back to the non-conference, which is an important factor when looking at these smaller conference teams, McNeese State only lost by two points in Austin against Texas. And that's a Texas team that's now surging, probably going to make the NCAA tournament. Shaka might have his job saved. And I know that this was a big number, but they covered as 23.5-point dogs against Wisconsin earlier in the season. So that also shows me that they exceeded expectations 
through the books against the power teams. I mentioned all the close losses in February. This is just checking so many boxes for me. They won the regular season meeting, getting five and a half points. Nothing about Nickel State, conversely, with their shooting numbers that really stood out to me. So, McNeese State Cowboys, plus five and a half. Best bet for me on Wednesday. Max play. I love this play. I hadn't even gotten a chance to look at all the mid-majors today, but, Greg, when you mentioned you were going to put a play on this, I figured I'd take a look, and I am 100% with you. So the reason you just mentioned it, you were talking about how bad they played in February, right, those tough, short losses. They seem to have turned around. We talked about earlier when these teams are taking these losses, what are they going to do? Are they going to figure it out and jump back on board, or are they just going to fold and cave? These guys in their last two games have won by 22 and by 20. They are scoring points, and they're putting teams away. Then you look at what they've done, because this game is in at Nickel State, correct? That's correct. Right. So when I look at that, too, as – McNeese being a, a road dog, they've been really, really strong as a road dog. I believe they're 6-2. and two. Take a look. Yep, 6-2. and two. And on the other side, Nichols are only 3-6 and six as a home favorite. So, And then I mentioned before how I kind of wasn't sure with you on that North Texas pick because what you were saying is North Texas likes to shoot the ball deep. They like to score points. That total was only like 139. The high total here? This is, this is 150. You right. know? And that's another check. Put that on your – check that box off too. So <clears> – <throat> Again, I had looked at it. I'm definitely going to be telling you here. I love, 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 love this play. Well, welcome aboard. And one last thing that I wanted to mention. Nickel State is the three seed in this conference tournament. McNeese State, as I said, won the head-to-head meeting against them in the regular season. The two seed is Abilene Christian, who McNeese State also beat in the regular season. The one seed is Stephen F. Austin. So if there is an upset in this conference tournament and Stephen F. Austin were to go down, I think all Haywire could break loose in this conference uh, because, as I said, here we have the sixth seed in the conference tournament that has already beaten two and three in the regular season. So uh, just another reason for me to like the Cowboys. Yeah, I have a max play on um, the mascot drinking over two and a half beers in this game. Does this school even – can they even afford a mascot? I don't even know. As long hey. as they make us money, we don't care. Exactly. Nah, I, I'm just kidding. I, 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 I truthfully, I have absolutely no opinion on this game. I don't even know. Where, where is McNeese State again? Thibodeau, Louisiana is where the game's going to be played at. Is that a neutral that's, site that's or a home? I don't. I I couldn't tell you where McNeese State is to be honest. Yeah, I have no idea. Um, so no opinion from me on this. Uh, obviously, as always, I wish you guys the best of luck. <laughs> well, thanks. Let's wrap things up on the ice, uh, Matt. You have a couple plays on uh, some West Coast teams. Yeah, so I'm taking us to a play that. I've been pretty successful on, maybe not a fan favorite, paying some high juice, but playing these, uh, you know, powerhouse teams per se, obviously, I guess we are top teams in the NHL, um, when they're big favorites around minus 300, winning in regulation, um, so I've had, I found success rather than, you know, going the minus one and a half round. So Avalanche in regulation, uh, minus 175, so I understand a little high price, but let me tell you, the Colorado Avalanche are just absolutely rolling. Um, they've won seven straight games. We've played the Avalanche in regulation the past two, and they've won with ease. Um, they're playing one of the worst teams in the NHL, the Ducks. Um, you know, they're, they're, the Ducks are 500 at home, and they're six games under 
500 on the road. Uh, and the Avalanche just really haven't been letting up many goals recently. Um, the, you look at their past games, they let up one goal, two goals, two goals, two goals, one goal, zero, one goal. I, I mean, so you got to go all the way back to February 17th where they let up more than two goals in a game. Um, in that span, they actually did beat the Ducks on the road by one goal, uh, one nothing in that game they won in regulation. So right here, I don't think anything changes. They're, they're playing in Colorado. I'm playing the Ducks team total actually under as well, the alternate line, under one and a half goals, plus 170. I don't see the Ducks scoring two goals in this game, and the Avalanche will win, win in regulation. Yeah, I think I'm with you, man. I, know, I, I just don't see Charlie Conway putting the puck past Patrick Watt much in this game, so I'm going to be with you on that <laughs> <much>. <laughs> Yeah, honestly – Wishing you nothing but the best here, but uh, for every reason why you pass on McNeese State, I just can't get involved in the Colorado Avalanche and the Anaheim Ducks right now. So uh, I will stay off the ice. I don't, I don't know that I'll have anything on the ice, uh, but hey, I'm rooting for my Flyers tonight. Big, big game down yes, in the capital against. Yeah, I, I have a, you know, I'm going to chime in right there as well. I'm on the Capitals in that game. Um, I understand the Flyers are the hottest team in the NHL coming to this game, but the Washington Capitals are going to remind the Philadelphia Flyers um, what the playoff hockey is all about, and the Philadelphia Flyers aren't really used to playoff hockey, and I think we can uh, agree that the Washington Capitals are. This is going to be a playoff atmosphere. It's going to be an absolutely also, just kind of adding to the pro-Washington angle, uh, it would be the side I would bet in that game. Flyers beat them in D.C. 7-2 a month ago. Yeah, so you had that revenge spot, and you come in with the Flyers on a six-game winning streak, one of the hottest teams in the NHL. Um, they're only three points back of the Capitals, right? So... Yeah. And huge then you come four in point swing here. If this game's decided in regulation, Flyers exactly. So this is a huge contact. game. There's going to be... It's going to be a playoff atmosphere. Both teams are well rested coming to this game. They both played Sunday. What are you, what are you taking on the what the price on I'm Washington? Just, this is, this is uh, minus one fifty. Um, one unit. It's not a strong play. The, like I said, the Flyers are coming in hot. And in hockey, rolling really matters. But to me, like you just said, that's a very short line. Um, at minus one fifty for a team again. I don't know if that's short though. I, I with how short as the Flyers in short, playing that's. Short as in, like, it's... it's, it's oh, sure, playing. right, yes, correct. Yeah, 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 the way to, yeah. So, yeah, okay, so, sorry, for most people out there, short would mean that minus 150 is actually paying ahead. It's actually very so, short, right, my mistake. Exactly, so I would think that, realistically, this game would, you know, the way the Flyers have been playing, I would think, well, why isn't this game closer to minus 120, right, you know, for right. the Capitals? Minus 130, closer to a pick em. obviously slight edge to the Capitals with home ice, but, however, I see a slight, steep price of minus 150. I'm going to play that. Uh, I think the Capitals are just going to get up for this game. They haven't been that great in the last 10, and when we see teams that are great, like the Capitals, not so great in the, in the last 5 or 10 games, and then you have a team like the Flyers coming to town, they, they want to they put on a show, especially with the yeah. little... Bench factor and, there. And considering that, and considering, again, the short line, like it, it definitely looks like there's something going on there. Yeah, so that that's where I'm looking at as well. And I want, just to close out the ice, I'm also playing the Flames in regulation at home uh, against Columbus. Um, you know, I, I just like the Flames here in this game. I just think really they're the better team than Columbus, and Columbus has been struggling. They have. Um, 
but yeah, yeah. Over, over the over the last month, um, and they have two wins in the last ten games, so or something like that, three wins. But another game, I mean, obviously just to close it out on the four game slate because I do have a player in all four games. I am looking at Vancouver. Um, I'm taking Vancouver actually at home minus one ten. I really could care less about this reverse line movement that's going on with the Coyotes. Um, frankly, Vancouver is one of the best home teams in the NHL. Uh, they're twenty and seven and the Coyotes are just 500 on the road. And one of the Coyote players actually follows me on Twitter, so I think it's also just real fun <laughs> to pay this team. There you have it. Well, that'll just about wrap things up for us here on Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast and a podcast about the McNeese State Cowboys. Bill, Christy, and Matt Siegel get all their picks at Larry's Locks 2, at Showtime Cappers on Twitter. My name is Greg Frank at Undercover Greg. Everybody, of course, please play responsibly. Bill, Matt, always fun. Same to you. Enjoy the night. Best of luck, everyone. We'll see you later. For the ones who know that a little late is always too late and that the clock doesn't stop just because you're missing a part, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, and our Keep Stock Inventory Management Solutions help ensure you have the right stuff in the right place at exactly the right time. Visit Granger.com slash Keefstock to learn more. Granger for the ones who get it done.